This week's episode of Aussie Tech Ed is brought to you by Start New Company. Register your company immediately today with ASIC. ABN, TFN, GST registration is also available directly from the portal. Also set up your family trust and self-managed superannuation fund and more. All at startnewcompany.com.au. Follow us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash startnewco. And keep an eye out for our regular specials. Start your new company now within 10 minutes of lodgement. All legal company documentation provided after registration. Startnewcompany.com.au. Also brought to you by athwebhosting.com.au. All our servers are operating on SSD drives, immediate activation, SSL certificates, Aussie support, domain registration and more. Easy install WordPress, Joomla, Drupal and 300 other one-click installations. Generous space and bandwidth, auto backups, WordPress help and maintenance plans are also available on contact. If your webpage is important for your business or your life, contact us today. Aussie support, secure services, athwebhosting.com.au. And now for the show. Welcome to episode 723 of the Aussie Tech Head. So I'm Jason Oakley and this is Will Tompkinson. Hey, Will. Hey, mate. How's stuff? Yes, it Keeping is. Keeping cool up there. <laughs> We've had one night where it was single digits. So it was like seven degrees. And I don't think it had been like below 25 again for the rest. <laughs> 20, oh, I lie. It's 24. There you go. <laughs> a whole degree, man. So it's, yeah. It's People still... in the US pay tens of thousands of dollars for a degree. <laughs> and you got at... one degree for free. I was going to say, look what happened to the US. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny because it's true. Oh, it's that sign, uh, you need to understand languages. And there's a guy crawling across the desert. It says H2O, 400 meters, or water, five miles, and the guy goes towards the water. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and then people explaining the joke underneath because... Yeah, cause that's, the, that's the funniest part about it. <laughs> There's like thousands of comments and like 90% of them are like, I don't get it. <laughs> well, we're back. We're bad. I'm. He's black and I'm mad. We weren't here last week because I was very sick. Yeah, and I wasn't pick up this week. Well, I wasn't feeling super tremendous either, actually. Mm. It. uh, I don't know what it was. I don't know if it was just a sudden change in weather or if. But yeah, something wasn't doing what it was supposed to do. What the heck is that? You got a new thing up there now. That just started now. That was been running (laughs) for like the last twenty minutes. (laughs) <laughs> so OBS has just had an update. <laughs> uh, that was funny. <laughs> Aussie tech heads, whoa, whoa, the unflashing stuff. It does. It's actually a, the the scrolling I'm using is actually designed for a live scoreboard. All oh, right. And it's designed to constantly update. And if I go into the text file and edit the text file, yep. and close it again, it'll go back to start and flash like it's an update. Like <laughs> look at me, and you can change that to say whatever it's. Uh, but, um, uh, I don't know why. I, got, I had a bit of news. My um, Commodore 64 game Toxic Frenzy was ported to the Mega 65 platform now mm. with uh, full uh, 256 color background support and stuff. So I had to redraw all the background graphics and uh, got that up and going. So uh, Simon, a friend of mine in the UK, Shalan 50K, he streams on Twitch. Check him out. He uh, spent two of his shows about. Three hours, I guess, each because we do a lot of shenanigans and just mucking around and, and trying to annoy him and stuff like that. And uh, he converted it from uh, pure Commodore 64 to Commodore 65, Mega 65 code. So it runs really nice and has 
uh, nice background graphics that I redesigned from scratch. So that was a lot of fun. And it's going to be release free on the Mega 65 so that when it finally does launch, hopefully before the end of the year, maybe start of next year, that people will have some free games to play. Because a lot of people are just like, well, why would I get it? There's no games that are Mega 65 specific. But like, well, now there is. Well, that's it, you know, and um, just so people can sort of see what we're talking about while we're talking. Yep. Um, so this is like if you, if you had a um, a Commodore 64 or pretty much anything back in that the era, really, yep. this is about the best the graphics will ever look. Yep. They, depending on the console, they potentially looked worse, but this is about <laughs> as good as it ever got. Yep. Um, and, of course, now the, the, the thing with the retro games have come back, but obviously they're much more what we would consider modern graphics, even though they're still not. But, yep. you know, it's such a step up. It's funny, you only technically go from 64 to 128, but that what people don't realise is you step up in four, you times it by four. So it's the same when a lot of people go, oh, I want to watch 4K, you know, YouTube videos or whatever, and they can't because their internet won't support it. So, oh, but it's only twice the bandwidth of 1080p. <laughs> like, well, no, it's not. It's four times, four horizontally the bandwidth and four vertically the bandwidth and then four times the bit rate to support that. Yep. So it's 16 times the initial data frame and then another four times that 16 for the actual amount of data. So like just to simply make a, let's say uh, in the old days a sprite was what, were they 8 by 8? Yep. Yeah, 8 by 8. 8 by 8, some 16 by 8. Well, Commodore 64 is like 16 by 21. Yeah. Just to be different. So, yeah. <laughs> but let's say let's say a sprite was 8 by 8. No, 24 by 21, sorry. Um, and then you wanted to make you know, an upgrade to the game or whatever, and you wanted to make that, that sprite 16 by 16. Well, it's not just doubling the amount of processing power required to move that sprite. It's yeah. like... It's 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 times it by four, then times it by four, and then times it by sixteen, and you've got your <laughs> you know like the amount of processing power. So yeah, because yeah. you got bit depth for the graphics depending of sixteen colors, two fifty six. Mm, that's it. And that's uh, what I mean. Yeah, four oh nine six. The Com- uh, Commodore Amiga had four oh nine six, and everybody yeah. lost their mind. And then with the hold, hold and modify mode, and now we do trillions of colors. Mm. And, that, and that's the thing. Like it's it's amazing how I mean, I mean the Mega Five Hundred was, in some regards, so far ahead of its time. It had a massive color color palette. It had a huge resolution. Yep. Uh, what for what Fantastic it was Fantastic sound. Oh, the sound was. I still honestly, I know everyone raves about the Commodore and stuff, but I still think the Amiga had the best sound chip. Whether or not it was always used to its full potential, but the fact that you could hook it up to a MIDI keyboard and, and play and record proper MIDI. As well as wave files, you can play yep. MIDI on the Commodore sixty four, which is one of its advantages. But, um, and it wasn't that you know, the time frame was they weren't that far apart, really. Yeah, you know, probably half a dozen years, really. But, um, the leaps and bounds that then some of the smaller, what well, started off as smaller companies, bought to the you know Amstrad was another one. Yep. This sort of company that appeared out of nowhere, then suddenly had, <laughs> you know, this huge powerful machine that it just looked like a commodore 64 with a colorful keyboard like it didn't yeah, look, yeah. <laughs> didn't and then look the atari <laughs> st taking on the amiga yeah the atari st yeah. yeah and then you know then you actually started what you sort of started getting to the world of pcs from from that point onwards but yeah but uh yeah it was it's it's funny the reason i'm saying that so a lot of the retro stuff's coming back like obviously things like Raspberry Pis and and whatever are, are allowing that to happen partly because of their size and how powerful they are. Yep. Um, you can emulate hundreds of consoles with with one little Raspberry Pi now. You know, it's as powerful as anything up to you know probably late nineties realistically. Yeah. <laughs> and then you got the um, D D C six four D six six four Mini D Vic twenty. And they all emulate it, but output have a similar looking keyboard, but output in HDMI. So mm. you get really good um, image on your normal TV. You don't have to go for conversion leads and all sorts of rubbish. That, that was what I was going to say. That's one of the drawbacks of having, if you actually have an old console or an old 
uh, even a, a, a TV plug-in game or anything like that, that that runs off what was traditionally a CRT monitor. Yep. Trying to make that run on a newer LCD or HDMI uh, like terrible. OLED, not only doesn't the picture look any good, but after you've gone through four converters to make it work, you're losing even more <laughs> quality anyway. So Exactly. That's why somebody <laughs> was saying on a, a Discord channel recently, uh, I've been doing this interactive fiction and it's been released. If mm. anyone wants to download it, try it out and vote. It's the Itchio Puny Inform Jam uh, my game was called Arthur's Day Out, but just don't vote it for full points and not play it because it's annoying people that a lot of people doing that. But um, some, they were saying, oh, there's a, a program called Ozmoo, and it's a website where you upload your Infocom Z3, Z machine engine um, code, and it converts it into Commodore 64, Commodore 128 um, program file or disk image that you can put on a real computer or put in your emulator and they just brought out support for the mega 65 and someone's like oh i don't get what's the point of mega 65 it's commodore but it's got other stuff but sometimes that's not supported by other games and what's the point and uh the guy who uh started the puny inform stuff is like well you can plug it into your hdmi tv mm. that's a that's that's the first and good step right. It's not just even a matter of plugging in, it's a matter yeah. of it being plugged in and it looks the way it's supposed to look. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's, it, it, and that's the thing, like I've got the original, well, the re-release Nintendo thing they did, yep. and you plug it into a widescreen and you've either got two choices, you can letterbox it and it still kind of looks wrong because the refresh rate of the monitor is 60 hertz and the refresh rate of the game is 25, yep. so it kind of refreshes in this weird kind of way. Or you can stretch it and make it the full screen, which then it just looks completely wrong because depending on how... Well, some of the games simply just make Mario really fat and some of the other games actually give you more background. So in games like um, uh, Double Dragon, um, Street Fighter I think it was actually on Nintendo, but it gives you more of the background so you can see the enemies are coming way before you're supposed to be able to see them. (laughs) (laughs) You know, but I was just looking on... uh, just saying before about you know the CRTs are becoming hard to get, yep. um, and I was just looking on on eBay and I, there's a vintage Commodore 1084 which is the ult- if you're after a monitor like that's the one that everybody wants. If you ever had yep. a Amiga or a Commodore, S. that was the one. It's in uh, where is it Endeavour Hills in Victoria, and it's currently six hundred dollars. Yep, like. <laughs> And that'll go. That'll sell no trouble at all because of Everyone what it is. wants it and needs it. But in the late 90s, we were throwing these things into wheelie bins and paying to get rid of them. Yeah. <laughs> Couldn't get rid of them fast enough. No. My mm-hmm. dad. My dad's had a, um introductionary lesson into different uh, outputs and inputs for computers <laughs> and monitors because um, he rang me up because uh, nothing was coming up on the screen on the computer I gave him, which was my daughter's old one, which is still 10 times more powerful than the one that he had. And it turned out that the um, the VGA cable that's plugged into the back of the computer has been pushed up against the back of the table's Busted privacy the board so much that it's bent some of the uh, wires. Yeah. So you just have to straighten a bit and just get it right. And I said, look, I'll, I'll have to get you another cable. Now, if I don't have VGA, what else does this computer and monitor support because his monitor's really old. I'm like, oh, it's got DVI. So it can do VGA or DVI. I'll give you probably one of each because I've got those and I'm not going to use VGA or DVI anymore. In fact, I said my my new computer and monitor has got HDMI, which was the next step up, but that's been, they've they've gone on to DisplayPort to DisplayPort and even my uh, monitor now has uh, USB-C input. Yeah. So <laughs> I'm like, you're, you're here. Yeah. VGA, then there was DVI, then there was HDMI, then there was DisplayPort. Now there's USB-C. This is how far back well, you are. I've got all those cables. You can have as many as you want because I've probably got like um, five sitting in the cupboard. Before EGA, you had CGA or EGA, then you had CGA, then you had monochrome. Then you had RGB uh, composite, 
and then you had uh, oh, there's S video somewhere. S video is in there somewhere as well. Yep. Then you had Component. Then you had the uh, actual TV aerial. Yeah, the actual broadcast RF. <laughs> they used to he had a mini TV broadcasting station in your device. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, it's <laughs> there's really been this this progress and. It's weird. The DisplayPort's one of the few things that actually made its way out of Mac relatively yeah. seamlessly. Yep. Now, FireWire was the other one, but it disappeared a few years ago. Yep. I still have a FireWire camera. Oh. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's uh, it's dumb. It's got a USB. You can plug a USB into it, but you can only edit, you can only look at the photos if you use a USB cable. You can't download them. You can just look at them. Oh, yeah, what? yeah. You can't look at the video. Just, just the pictures. <laughs> if you plug a FireWire in, you can download the files, but you still can't look at the video unless you download them first. Uh. So I'll pull the SD card out and put it in the reader. But it's like, yeah. why you, you, you've half crippled both of these. <laughs> <laughs> like, neither of them do the job they're supposed to do. You've managed to cripple no. both of them. Yeah, it's crazy. <laughs> So, so yeah, I think it'll be interesting. Everything's going to go USB C, obviously. But um, well, yeah, I mean, you can get a USB C, like a little twelve-inch or fourteen-inch portable monitor. You can fold it up with your laptop and plug it into USB C, and it becomes a touchscreen, and it's powered by the USB C port. And yep, well, the the Apple laptops, MacBook Air, and Pro only come with USB C in and out. So you got USB power. On the MacBook Pro, you've got two USB-C on each side, so you can do power, 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 monitor, 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 uh, extra peripherals and stuff, and they all just plug into only USB-C. That's why when I got my work laptop, the MacBook Pro, I had to get an adapter purchased by the company as well because I couldn't plug my HDMI monitor in. There's just no Mm. way. No. Yeah, I don't... Mm. I think... I mean, Apple's always done stuff like that. I don't think that'll happen in the PC market for a while. No. Uh, because... They'll support all the things. PC Except can... USB 2 and the damn things. Yeah, well, that's it. PS... Well, yeah, actually, a lot of them do. Yeah, a lot of them still have the, like three US... or two USB 3 ports and then six USB 2 ports. But having said that, 99% of the things you're going to use, unless it's a hard drive or a monitor... Or a webcam. Even most of those work happily on USB 2. My webcam's on two. Like, they don't have enough data for three. Mine used to complain um, maybe a couple of computers ago. You would plug in the webcam and it'd say, this doesn't have enough bandwidth for it or something. You or would not get enough it, power. Sometimes, yeah. Sometimes you get the power one if you've got other draw to, high draw devices in, like if you've got Wi-Fi keyboard and stuff that you draw power. Yep. But if you plugged it into a powered hub... Um, no problems. Yeah, if you, if you have a... Like this is a USB-C, USB-3 hub. Because yep. it's the blue, the blue one, but it's also lets me plug a power into here as well, so that um, when I am drawing the webcam and the wireless mic and the mixer and all those other devices, I don't run out of power on that USB port. Hang but, on, you just unplugged that. How can you be still using your microphone and <laughs> webcam? You said it's supposed to be plugged into it. That one up there. <laughs> No, this one's this is this is another one. This is a this is the one that runs on the uh, on the Octoprint to split uh, the printers up, which I'm not using at the moment, so that's why it's sitting. You got there. an update for your printer, didn't you? I yeah, I um, so I've got the among other things, none of them work, but I've got the Ender three, which has okay. So when the Ender three three D printers first come out, they're supposed to be the the best best performing best value for money best option to buy yep 95% of them were the problem is the 5% that weren't really weren't they were dogs like they just they didn't have one fault they had 30 faults <laughs> <laughs> and this end of 3 I've put new main boards in I've put new stepper motors in I've put new power supply um, new power supply I've done like two stepper, get a new new bed stepper drivers no the bed was okay i've had to do bearings on the axis i've had to put new belts in it i Capricorn have had tube. to do yeah put ptfe tubing in 
Um, I can't think of. Oh, I had to up change the fans out that all burnt out. So you got you got the thing that was like. This is a really great axe. I've had it 40 years. It's only had 10 handles and eight heads yeah. on it. It's still the same axe. Yeah. It's, I, mean, the, the, I mean, it's got some of the original paint still on it, I guess. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> but the thing is, like, it's not a cheap printer, and I've got, a, a, I've got an old i3, and I've got a, a Delta that, okay, they play up, but they're cheap printers. I expect them to play up. Yep. But anyway, so I think I finally got this thing. I've thrown enough more parts at it again and I've been waiting on the last part which this time it's a direct drive extruder so the extruder goes directly onto the print onto the hot end rather than going through the PTF tube and in yep so theoretically fingers crossed Mr. T and arms crossed and eyes crossed the the, the three the $400 printer that's cost $1100 should actually work <laughs> The two, they bloody better work for 10 years now. The $200 printer's only cost me 240 Oh, <laughs> does it print money? Yeah, well. Or does it just eat it? So far, it's all it does. <laughs> but yeah, it's, uh, I, I seem to have that with tech. It doesn't matter what I buy. I can buy top of the range. I can buy bottom of the range. I can buy anything in between, and it'll always have a problem. It's just like a rule. Like this My can, daughter is saying the same. Every time she gets a computer, something <laughs> screws up. Oh, yeah. I'll tell you what I wanted to tell you this week as well. So she got my old computer when I bought this new one, right? And I left the M2C drive in there because they're fast and it was already there. And she had a uh, one terabyte SATA um, drive that was the mechanical one still. Yeah, spinning disc. Which, I am listening. And she wanted she wanted to have the um, one terabyte drive in the new computer, which I gave her. And so I plugged it in and booted it up and it couldn't find a D drive. And I'm like, well, why can't it find D drive? So I tried a few SATA ports, tried a few power sockets on the power supply couldn't find this d drive at all and i was like oh, I, I just these days i don't have the patience to screw around with computers anymore <laughs> if i want a new computer i i go to the ple.com.au website type in everything i want say you build it to, and send it to me i don't want to deal with this crap so i took it to my friend paul in town who runs a computer shop and anytime i've got any problem now i just go look Here's the thing, that's what's wrong with it. I don't care if it's a simple thing that needs one wire put on or whatever. I don't want to think about it anymore. My job is thinking all day long and I don't want to do it when I knock off work. So you get some money and uh, I get my stuff fixed. So I left it with him in the morning, the day before yesterday. And he said, oh, yeah, it should be something quick and easy. And I was like, well, I, f I figure it would be. I mean, you've got power and you've got data and you plug them in and you plug them in where they go there's there's not much you can do wrong no so there so, we go so this is a one terabyte spinning disk this is a full uh, just for a reference this is a full pc what you'd find inside a normal computer yep this is a laptop drive so there's your yep. size difference and then this if you have a ssd drive or uh uh, yeah, it will be about the same size as this, just a solid state drive, not a physically spinning drive. Yep. And then when we're talking about mobile M21s, that's, that's one there. So that can be the same amount of data that's on that one. Or more. Or more on that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so yeah, so to plug these in, they've literally just got, not like the old days where you had 40 pin cables and stuff, you've literally just got a power connector. You can't get it wrong. It's the key, it's the key irony key is the power connector is the big connector, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and the which is only uses two of three of the twelve pins, yeah. and the data connector is the four pin connector. <laughs> yeah, but anyway, so so they rang me up in the afternoon and they're like, um, "We can't fix it. the <laughs> The hard drive is fried, what? and the DVD writer that's in there is also fried." And so they said, I don't know what you want to do. I said, I'll just come pick it up. And we don't, we were obviously not using the DVD writer because who does? Who does yeah. But um, I said, I'll just order an M2 and I'll plug it in myself. And so he said, well, as for the M2, we did notice that um, 
on this motherboard, it's got a SATA version of the M2 and it's got a PCI 4. And you want the PCIe 4 because it's like blitzing fast compared to the SATA. So we moved it across to there. It now boots off that one. And if you get the new one for your daughter, just plug it into the SATA one, which she's just going to use for game storage and stuff anyway. And he said, I'll show you what happened. When when we plugged it in, um, nothing would come up. And we thought that was odd. And we had a look at the lights on the front of the DVD writer and it's, the LED light is blinking really, really fast, but not responsive. And we're like, well, that's a bit strange. Hmm. And um, so the young fellow here was like, well, I'm not sure what's going on. Can you give me your uh, CD drive and we'll try plugging that in and make sure it's not the drive or something. So they plugged in his drive and fried his drive. <laughs> well, that's $5 well spent. He's like, hang on, I can smell something. Turn it off. So he turned it off, put his hand on the back of my DVD writer and nearly burned his hand off. And he's like, okay, that's definitely not good. But what he did, he he got the power cable that plugs into the power supply, which came with the power supply and one of his own and compared them. Now, on his one, both of them have got six pins that go into the power supply at the other end. Yep. The top left one is supposed to be empty. The next two on that row full and the bottom three are full. On the cable that was supplied to me by the manufacturer, the top left one had a cable plugged into it and the bottom middle one was missing. That would have been pinned wrong. So it had been pinned wrong by the manufacturer and fried all the stuff. But what's actually interesting about that is you would assume... Like, if I look on the back of this drive here, the ones that are pin aren't pin don't connect. Like, there's no there's no connection yeah. between the pin and the board. So no, it's at, at the other end of the cable that plugs into the modular gaming power ah, supply. Ah, I see. Okay, yeah. yeah. Not, not at the end of the with, with that little clip yeah. that you plug it in and unclip it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, that, end, that end, the manufacturer, so he said, I'll tell you what, it's, it's like, here's your cable. I was like, what? Chuck it in the bin, dude. Are you serious? He said, go back home and check the rest of the cables because well, I know they always give you like half a dozen yeah. when you buy a new computer and um, probably more of them are keyed wrong, in which case uh, hopefully you're not the only one who's got – well, hopefully you are the only one because if other people have got these that are keyed wrong, they're burning out stuff all over the place. Manufacturers should not be able to make that big a mistake. And it's not like it's a cheap – what brand power supply was it? It was a Corsair, wasn't it? Um, yeah, I think so. Yeah. The, I mean, they're um, a, you know, pretty good. 800 you know, watt they're a good modular brand. gaming. And just yes, it was Corsair. Yes, yeah. yes. And they're a good sis. Like, it's just one of those fluke things where it just moved in the machine when it was pinning it, I guess. But, Not a clue. But, um, yeah. Also, if people are interested, you can actually buy, this is a DVD slash Blu-ray burner that's USB uh, USB 3 plugged in and it's portable so you can take it with you so if you ever do need to go into a service call or you need to do something where you need to access media or write to media you can still buy these they're about 40 bucks now nice <laughs> you don't need to have one in your system you just carry a portable one yeah um, yeah they're so cheap now it's, it's stupid I remember my first CD burner was about $1,100 and I think my first DVD burner was about $400 and they were 1x they were, yeah they were one. Uh, on a good day. On a good day. <laughs> and you sit I still, and even when I buffer. had like 8X and 32X, I was like, I think I'll just go with 6 or 8. Well, I don't really trust 32. They used to, yeah, but see, they never really wrote at that speed anyway. They'd read at that speed. They don't ever write at 8 tops. Eight, yeah. They used to sit there not watching, using Nero and just watch the, the buffer bar. Nero yeah. burning rum. <laughs> you watch this buffer bar going... Stay up, uh, stay, don't, don't you dare, no, no, go back up, no, stay up. All that stuff from back in the day. Man, we've done the, half a show there, and there's no news yet. Turn your screensaver off, turn everything off, close all the apps, <laughs> put the keyboard in the mouth up that end so you couldn't touch them, make sure there's nothing that can touch the case. Yeah. <laughs> Start and you're like... <laughs> That's it, don't touch. <laughs> Sit on the other uh, side of the wo- a room with some binoculars and... Is it ready yet? (laughs) Do you want to verify? Yes, I do want to verify every single DVD 
or CD. I want to verify. I used to make those VCDs. Oh yeah, yep. With videos made from um, <clears throat> my Motorola A one thousand and stuff like that. <laughs> and my Canon, I can't even remember what model it was, but it was it had the compact flash memory chip. Yep. Yeah. Anyway, speak. <laughs> What's this going on up here? We've been recording for half an hour, you know, it's all fine. <laughs> so, um, yes, we have places you can find us on the internet. Next. <laughs> uh, so we do have a Patreon. And places to give us money. <laughs> Let's see, that's all you need to know. Yeah, you can figure the rest out. Um, we do have um, Patreon, we do have coffee. Um, of course, you can donate through PayPal if you want as well. Um, there's also a couple other options. Uh, if, you, if you wish to, and give us contact or if you want us to. Uh, you know, we're open to bribes, sponsorship, uh, free stuff, whatever. Give us stuff. Want to, you know, we're not complaining at all. Even e-liquids. <laughs> well, oh. you, yeah. But um, yeah, so no, it, it helps. We we're not um, we're not a sponsored show. We don't have uh, YouTube ad revenue, so. Um, and we take all crypto. We do accept crypto, um, and yeah, so it does help us out. It helps us, um, you know, keep the show running and. You know, when we need to get hardware or software, like our hosting and things like that. So, me and Mr. T's going for all the Doge's. We've got the Dogecoin. Got the Doge. So, Doge I, an engine. To uh, put it into perspective, Dogecoin um, was started, I can't remember what it was, started about seven, six or seven years ago, I think it yep. was. Two guys, one of them was an Aussie. Um, they started as a joke, it was a meme. It was, you know, Doge, like the dog thing. Um, Shibu. Yeah, that's the one. So that that's how it, you know that that was how it started, and it's sort of, I guess in a way it was kind of just say oh, yeah, that's cool, whatever. And then they sort of, I think even they forgot about it at one point. So you know. well, very cool. <laughs> yeah. Um, but uh, Elon Musk, um, you know this dude who does things with cars and spaceships. Um, and my battery. <laughs> he. Uh, oh, yeah, that's right. You got a Powerwall. Um. He is allowed us the most prominent supporter of Dogecoin. His tweets, um, he's got like 50 million Twitter followers. Um, and he regularly tweets about Doge and, uh, the you know, how he sees it. You know, one of his last ones that I saw, I don't know, <coughs> probably a couple of weeks ago now, uh, there was um, uh, Doge barking at the moon. Yep. And... Um, there's another one about similar to that too, because that's like to the moon. If you're not sure in crypto speak, to the moon means you know it's going to go nuts and go off. Um, but High basically, value. after he did that, it spiked about six hundred percent, which was bought it up from like three cents to like fifty cents, and then it sat there for a couple of weeks, and then the last few days it's gone nuts again, and it's gone up from fifty cents to like eighty. I think it peaked at like 89 cents. It's up to 80 cents at the moment, but it peaked at like 89 cents at 2 o'clock this morning or something. Yep. Um, I'm just sorry. I'm just checking now just to see if I'm correct. Yeah, it's currently 77 cents. Um, so basically, it's uh, like all crypto. It doesn't have any foundation in the real world, but you can mine it, and I actually do mine it. Um, I mine with NiceHash, get Bitcoin, and then convert it into... Doge on Binance. Which doesn't make sense because you earn more mining Doge directly, but anyway. Um, well, you can't mine Doge directly. Well, in, you're mining it indirectly. Yeah. Un, it's, yeah. un, it's unminable, but it's mineable. Unminable. <laughs> it's complicated. <laughs> but yes. Um, so basically, currently, it's worth uh, about $78 billion, which puts it as the third, I think, third or fourth highest coin behind um, Bitcoin. How many billion did Musk buy? He bought a few billion of he it. Bought, he bought, uh, I know he bought 10 million there at one hit. Um, basically, you've got Bitcoin, Ethereum, then Dogecoin. Yeah, so it's currently right third on the amount. Um, Dogecoin is up 12,000% since January. So yeah. if you had to invest it back then. Which. I didn't not quite that early. I think I was in March, which it was still. I think it's still up a fair bit from there. Um, but and apparently, because Elon's going to be on Saturday Night Live yeah. hosting it, the next one that's also going to push Doge up. So 
Well, there's a couple of things that's done it. One is that he's now accepting it to pay for his products, whether that's power walls or Teslas or uh, flamethrowers, whatever you want to buy from him, he's accepting Dogecoin yep. uh, and Bitcoin. Um, but the other thing that's done it is, I can't I can't find the story. I found it the other day, but I've, I've done what I've done with it. There's a New York, I think it was New York, but there's an American, um, is it NLB, National Basketball League of Basketball or whatever it is? Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> one of NBL. their teams, no, I think it was NL, MLB, something. Anyway, um, oh. one of their teams has decided to um, start selling tickets and uh, merchandise, uh, and they've s- selected Doge as their their kind of preference. Ah. So that's another, and that that was a day where it jumped quite considerably from like sixty cents to eighty five cents in that day when they announced that. So that was a pretty big jump. And I mean, you got to think, okay, Bitcoin's worth $75,000, $80,000 a coin. But here's the thing. If Bitcoin jumps 10%. Or if it, or if it doubles. Let's just say it doubles. It's, if you buy $10, you get $20. But if your doge yeah. goes up 12,000% and you bought $1, now you got $12,000. Yeah, so. that's right. So even though Bitcoin's worth more per coin, the chances of earning money on Bitcoin is pretty slim because it's not going to peak that much. Not in, you know, relatively short term. But yeah, for something like Doge or Ripple or uh, Engine, a lot of those coins are a lower value coin. They're good for a lot of people to start off with because for you can throw 20 bucks, 30 bucks at it, get a thousand coins. And if you get lucky, like you ha- some people have with Doge and that thousand coins is now 12,000 coins and you've yep. gone from... Point, you know, from 0.3 cents a coin to 85 cents a coin. It doesn't sound like a lot in that respect, but when you've got 12,000 coins that have done that, suddenly it's you know, it's a decent chunk of money. Yep. <coughs> so I think in a lot of respects, uh, cryptos, people, because share trading is such a common thing, people really confuse crypto and shares. They think they're very similar, but a lot of them are actually direct opposite of each other. If in a share stock, if something's doing well, you'll buy it, but the second it doesn't do well, you'll turn around and sell it. With with crypto, it's the other way. If something's falling, then that's when you buy it and you hang on to it until it starts to to increase again. Yep. So it's it's kind of the complete opposite of what you do with regular shares. <laughs> you look for the the cheapest thing that has growth potential, not the thing that has a proven growth potential. <laughs> So. Elon Musk has dubbed himself the Doge Father. <laughs> That's funny. Uh, I like guess, it. <laughs> I can see him sitting in the corner. SpaceX is going to put literal Dogecoin on the literal moon. Oh, I'm not surprised. That's why it's going to the moon, right? Yeah, that's it. <laughs> as long as he doesn't use real dogs, I guess. So, if we're going to be talking about crypto, let's start with a news story. That was a news story. What are you about? <laughs> eBay is open to the possibility of accepting cryptocurrency as a form of payment in the future and is looking ways to get non-fungible tokens, NFTs, onto its pro- platform, the company said on Monday. Growing number of companies have begun to accept virtual currencies as a form of payment. Taking an asset class has been shunned by major financial institutions a few years ago, a step closer to being coming mainstream. Tesla is already accepting Bitcoin as payment for its electric cars, while payments giant PayPal last year started allowing customers to buy, sell, and hold cryptocurrencies using its online wallets. We're always looking to get the most relevant forms of payment, and we'll continue to assess that as we go forward. We have no immediate plans, but cryptocurrency is something we're keeping an eye on, eBay said. In an interview with uh, CNBC, Chief Executive Officer Jamie Eon said that accepting virtual currency was an option the company was looking at. eBay, which disappointed investors with a weak second quarter profit forecast last week, said it was looking for a number of ways to get into the NFT space. NFTs, a digital type of a type of digital asset that exists on a blockchain have exploded in popularity this year with NFT artwork selling for millions of dollars and musicians such as Kings of Leon Rock Group embracing them for their latest album. We're exploring opportunities on how we can enable NFTs on eBay in an easy way. Everything that's collectible has been on eBay for decades and will continue to be so for the next few decades. 
So there was the girl who was in a uh, meme when she was really young and she was standing in front of a house that was burning down and had this really evil sly look on her face and she was memed to death. Well, that meme she put onto an NFT blockchain and sold it for $500,000 and paid off all of her um, study loans and the house and a few other things. And I think she might've even given some to charity and stuff and helped her mum and dad. So that's where things are going now is uh, digital music and art becoming NFTs. It's semi-redundant insofar as PayPal is going to be accepting crypto. So for eBay to accept crypto as payment is kind of a redundant thing. It's used PayPal anyway. Yeah. I mean, I yeah. get, okay, NFTs are fine. Like, not that, That's okay to list that sort of stuff. But to, yeah... I I think they're trying to see... I know that I was reading an article about Etsy, which is... Um, Etsy's Hobbyists like a... Hobbyists Yeah, it's like hobbyists. And it's it's like going to any local um, weekend markets, but it's more of a national thing. But you can pick up everything from clothing to art stuff to, you know, folk art to whatever. And I know that a lot of people on there accept crypto as payment for the things they offer. Um, so I wonder if it's kind of a, and actually there's some NFT stuff going on there as well. So I wonder if it's kind of a bit of a stab at. You wonder if like a a year ago, somebody was like, oh, I suppose I'll accept Doge. If you want to buy this uh, case for your iPhone, it'll cost you about 400 Doge because they're only worth like 0.04 cents or something. And then suddenly the person who got 400 Doge from that. Just to somebody who bought a phone case is like, holy crap, I'm rich. Well, that's it. I mean, that's the way it works. I mean, I know at work now, we now that we own the place. Um, uh, yeah, that's right. We own the place. You heard right. Congratulations. So Battery <laughs> Central, um, been working there for over 10 years. And we decided to buy Battery Central Ipswich. We bought that out. So that's a whole other roller coaster in and of itself. But we now accept Bitcoin and Litecoin and Doge and Ethereum Ethereum and Engine and Stragecoin. We actually have a Stragecoin point of sale dedicated Temple. specifically for Stragecoin. So we, I'm sort of heading down that route as well, but I've got a. I, I think the way it's going to work is we're only going to accept it on labor and uh, like secondhand stuff. I don't think I can run the risk of accepting it on, like, say you buy... Because you've got razor-thin you know, margins, right? Well, on some stuff especially, like, say you buy a set of golf cart batteries at $1,500. We literally make, like, only $15 a battery. Mm. Like, because there's everybody selling the batteries, there's nothing in them. You know, so something like that I couldn't afford to take. I can't afford to take even a couple of dollar hit on. But if I'm working on your car and it's costing me a couple hundred dollars in labour, well, worst case scenario, I've taken a hit on labour and it's not a big deal. Yep. So we don't be selective about what we take it. But yeah, we, you know, we're getting to the point now where we're going to accept crypto as, as payment as well. Whether you got or not it now. You know, um, I think it, it makes sense because a lot of people might have, well, take Doge, for example, if, it's got, if people had, you know, let's say you had $1,000 in Doge, well, you're going to have... Twelve thousand, so ten grand in Doge now. So you can go and buy that. You know, you get that solar set up for your camper trailer or whatever that you've been wanting to do. You can you can physically do it. And if you've got the option to pay with crypto, well, it just makes it that little bit easier, doesn't it? Yep. So I think it's it is going to become more mainstream. Um, as I think people... I mentioned before these um, e vaping mm. stuff and the liquids and that the shop that you buy them from accepts crypto. I make crypto, my desktop computer right now is churning out crypto and I've got the ASIC in the garage that I run during the um, sunny hours of the day Mm. making crypto. I can buy this with stuff from there. It hasn't cost me anything. Yeah, that's it. This is basically free because the computers are on all day and I've got the battery, uh, the two LG Chem and the um, Tesla battery so I've got free solar electricity. I'm not churning through and being one of those evil people who are polluting the world by chewing down electricity from the grid all day and night. 
I just do it through during the day for that one. And this one, which takes less hit on the battery, can go all night. And I, I can just get these anytime I want to get a new one, upgrade, buy more liquid or whatever. And it's basically free. Yeah. And I mean, that's the thing. Like, if I was mining, if I was mining uh, Bitcoin instead of Doge, I'd be getting about uh, probably 5 or $8 a day on average. Yep. I mean, I don't have a super powerful graphics card. I've only got a RX fifty seven hundred uh, eight gig, um, which is good enough to get me yeah about eight bucks a day for for mining Bitcoin. But the thing is, it does that while I'm using my computer, so it's eight bucks a day. Yep. Yeah, my solar's running it during the day anyway, so it's not costing me anything to run it and sitting there doing nothing. So I might as well make it work for a living, you know. Yeah. So that, that you know, so you think about that. That that's forty bucks a week that I wouldn't have had if I wasn't doing anything. Yeah, I've got two graphics cards in here. There's a low-powered one that's not much good for mining, but I can play Minecraft, I can play Seven Days to Die and all these other 3D games using that card and just use the uh, NVIDIA 3070 exclusive for Don't mining at the same time. Don't tell people you You'll get robbed stuff. and people will come <laughs> <laughs> just for the card. <laughs> right? Oh, man. Because there's a and then people ch- like, oh, all the crypto miners are buying up all the cards and it's their fault. No. There was, no, there was a snowstorm, a little bit of a freeze over in Texas that shut down a manufacturing business there that does chips. There was, um, then there was a, a, a drought, drought in Taiwan and they need tons and there's so much water you need to be able to make silicon chips. You wouldn't yeah. believe it. Thousands of litres just for each chip and stuff like that. And and they then, had to divert that to agriculture and to people. So they weren't able to make chips there. They had the COVID where they had people had to stay home. They had more people working from home, so more computers were purchased by companies for people to work from home. And, uh, and there's chip shortages. In me- fact, Telstra, uh, Telstra, Intel is now ramping up chip manufacturing to try and help out with the um, the downturn of chips. And then you had companies like Xiaomi, for example, who um, said, oh, we're, we're dialing back production of some of our products because, you know, they're not as popular, and we don't need. We're not not going to think we're going to sell as many in the economy. And Australia and the USA said no more China. Yeah, it was that? But then suddenly they went from, "Hey, actually, we need to step up our production because we're selling more than we thought." And then it's like, "Well, hang on, um, we're already at capacity." Yeah. Um, yeah, and our Intel, as you said, is spending three and a half billion to open a new factory in New Mexico. Yep. Um, uh, new reality introduces. They're, they're doing a new set of chips. IBM is making, come back and making a set of chips, and they've actually just uh, prototyping a two nanometer test chip currently at the moment, yep. which is a third, which means they can put three times as much information on the current size chips. Um, and NVIDIA's going to gimp the graphics cards for mining anyway. Well, only the new ones. Not yep. doesn't doesn't apply to pre-existing stuff, but it's irrelevant Except anyway. Except for thirty sixty, they said they're going to roll out a driver that's going to gimp the thirty sixties. No, really. Yep. So existing no one's ones so no one's and it. new ones, <laughs> but they're also going to release mining only cards. That don't yeah. have any video out, so. which is only ten years too late. But yep. um, and that's the thing. Like, but the thing is, that's all fine. Dan to say they're going to do that, but they can't release cards because there aren't any cards to release. Like, I was looking on on Facebook Marketplace and there was saf- two gig Sapphire uh, like um, I want to say like 5750s or something Yep. like you know 10 year old car- I mean they were a top end card 10 years ago but now they're almost a, well you probably <laughs> couldn't get them anymore anyway something that slow but they're probably equivalent to a onboard Intel graphics card now um but they're going for like a thousand dollars on on marketplace. A friend of mine has a um, uh, it's a six gig card. I can't. It's, it's nothing. To, it's yeah, mid range card. Nothing special. I think he said he paid three hundred fifty bucks for it like six months ago, and um, he had a one of those uh, geeks to you or whatever. One of the computer guys come around fix his system because he's having problems with it, and that guy offered him two grand on the spot for his graphics card. Wow. <laughs> and he literally just uses it for like word processing and Zoom calls. That's all he uses it for. Yep. And he goes, um, if you can get me another graphics card that'll do that, then okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this, this guy goes out to his truck and pulls out some old, some old, you know, 
five-year-old card and chucks it in, sets it all up, and goes, there you go, does what you want to do. It's like, yep, cool. And gives him his two grand. and Nice. <laughs> so he goes computer repaired and uh, two grand for his trouble. <laughs> so, yeah. It's, you you it's want to work stupid. in computer recycling business right now, oh, get all the old ones and dig all the cards out. At the moment, yeah. Well, a lot of people are. That's where... Um, there's systems. I selling. can't afford to buy a graphics card for two thousand dollars, so I'll buy an old computer. Yeah. Probably doesn't work, but the graphics card work, and the graphics card is worth three thousand dollars. Well, there's a, a guy I know who does the government recon refurbished thing. You know, mm. you see, and they go to auction. They pay thirty bucks for them. They sell them for five hundred bucks, and they spend an hour on them to make sure they're good. But they're, they're actually now specifically targeting from the auction, they're specifically targeting computers that don't work. Yep. Because they can pick them up. They're still paying 100 bucks for them. But the thing is that they're going to have, even if they don't care about the rest of the system, they just want their graphics cards out of them. Because yep. they can sell the whole system with internal graphics for 500 bucks, or they can sell just a graphics card for 500 bucks. Yeah. <laughs> <So, laughs> it's crazy. It's just like... The world's gone mad, you know. Like, what what's going to be the next shortage? You know, we had this whole pandemic thing, and everyone's like, "Oh, we're going to run out of food, and we're going to run out of power, and we're going to run out." Of... No, we've run out of graphics cards. That's it. <laughs> well, chips. It, in it ge- makes sense, doesn't it? Chips in general, really. It's really. like it's like uh, toilet paper. <laughs> I got one of my customers. Yeah, one of my customers. Uh, that's what happened. They crushed all the silicon and turned it into toilet paper. <laughs> <laughs> one of my customers. He works for. Um, I think it's John D. I can't remember, but one of those big corporations, and they've had to stop selling a lot of their harvesters and stuff at the moment. Well, they've had to stop selling the the top model ones because the top model ones have got the GPS, the auto driving, all yep. that sort of stuff, and they can't get chips for it. Yeah, they can only sell the entry level tractors that don't have all that stuff because they can't physically get all these Texas instrument chips and all these. Same, chips same for cars. I've been reading the car industries can't get your in-car entertainment system, so they're taking them out of the expensive cars and installing them into the mid-range ones that they can't get that for, and then selling it with that because yeah. you just can't. They, <laughs> they have to get it from the old, uh, the more expensive machines that are just sitting on the lot. Oh, it's it's so dumb. It's just it's. That's re- and this is what happens. I, I don't mind China manufacturing stuff, but yep. <coughs> when when there's only like when there's two factories that man, or say there's one factory that just manufactures that chip, which yep. is fine. But when two or three of the biggest export export markets go, no, we don't need your services anymore, even though there's nobody else in the world who makes this chip because the market also they're going to get it from somewhere else. Um, so the chip ramps down. Pro- this factory ramps down production. And suddenly these couple of countries go, oh, wait, we can't get those chips anywhere else. Can you get us the ones that you should have got us before? No, because we haven't made them because you told us you didn't want them. They bite the hand, son. Six-month turnaround. (laughs) Yeah. Basically, yeah. So if you've got a computer and you think about upgrading it, if your computer dies and your graphics card still works, keep your graphics card. Sell the graphics card and buy a whole new computer. Without a graphics card that you can't... But the upside is if you've got a USB-C um, monitor, you don't need a graphics card. Or if, or if you've got uh, Intel built into the... Uh, the Intel integrated graphics built into <coughs> the CPU. Yeah, or you just go and buy a... Buy like the um, the Raspberry Pis with like the HDMI outputs and just live on that for... And even, even they're struggling. Like I was reading a thing saying that the Pi Foundation can't get graphics chips for their... Um, Pi 4s with you know the, uh, the, the one they do with the keyboard and stuff they can't get the graphics chips for them 400 so, isn't it yeah Pi 400. 400 so even even things like that that you don't think about and even a lot of that's roll on effect of that is TVs um, and things like that where they, they can't get because gra- they all use graphics drivers now it's not just a matter of them to, you know in the old days, they fired a f- an electron beam at the back of the screen that made a picture. Now it's all done with driver chips, and they can't get those driver chips either. So, yep. you know. Hardware, hardware <laughs> decoders and yeah. all sorts of stuff. It's really actually quite a big problem. I don't think people realize just how much of an issue it's going to be. So they will when they start buying things. And you'll even notice a lot of manufacturers have dropped their phone range down to... Instead of, instead of having 12 different versions of the same phone, they've got two now just to try and mitigate. Because even Apple was saying that on their new iPhone, there's a three-month backlog 
Yep. Uh, I think I was just reading here somewhere. Apple's iPhone 12. Um, there's a three week. There's a three week waiting time to confirm if you can purchase the phone, because and then there's a three month wait to actually get the phone. <laughs> but there's only a limited amount of chips, so you've got to wait the three weeks to see if they've got enough chips to fulfill the order before you can get put an order in. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so, tis fun. Um, speaking of, well, actually, this we should have this one earlier. We were talking about uh, encryption and and uh, crypto. But ACIC, so who's the Australian Criminal Intelligence Commission, because there's an oxymoron. They're intelligent <laughs> crimin- criminals that <laughs> yeah, work there. That's right. you got to be a smart criminal to work there. <laughs> um, they believe there's no legitimate reason for law-abiding member of the community to own or use encrypted communications platform. <laughs> Which is funny because I just saw a news article saying that Americans are more and more turning to VPNs, VPNs to try itself. and... And ensure that stuff is kept private because everything's hackable. Yeah. I just read that article too. And I'm like, literally in there, we've got the Australian intelligence organization saying, no, you don't need it because if you're not doing anything wrong, you won't get hacked. Yeah. What? I'm pretty sure that's the way it works, right? Yeah. No. You know, so basically, um, um, this, yeah, so basically the platforms are used almost exclusively. Uh, <clears throat> so these platforms, so they're talking about encrypted platforms like VPNs and uh, encrypted point-to-point communications like uh, uh, like Zoom. There you go. There's, there's an example of it that yep. we're using right now. These platforms are used almost exclusively by SOC or serious and organized crime groups and are developed specifically to obscure the identities of the involved criminals entities and enable avoidance of detection by law enforcement. They enable the user to communicate within closed networks to facilitate highly sophisticated criminal activity. Won't somebody please think of the children? Will somebody please smack these people in the face and give them a reality check? Um, So basically they want to up, amend the Surveillance Legislation Amendment Identity and Disrupt Bill of 2020. So it gives them powers to basically, if you're using a VPN, they want to bust in your door and go crook at you for using a VPN. <laughs> because they'll Good know luck with who it. you are when you're using a VPN. You must be evil. Wait, what? Guilty until proven innocent, isn't that the law? Yeah, that's exactly how it works. Um, so yeah, basically, Australia would they would have the Australian Federal Police and new computer warrants dealing with online crime. The first of the warrants is a date disruption one. The second is network activity warrant, and the third is an account takeover warrant. Um, they're going to say they're saying that uh, assessment and dissemination of criminal intelligence and information to inform national strategies and address transnational transnational serious serious seri, what to address transnational serious and organised crime to deliver on this purpose the powers and capabilities of the ACIC. Must keep peace with technological trends and emerging trends to ensure the agency is able to adequately tackle serious cyber-enabled crime and sophisticated criminal groups using encrypted platforms. That's it. I'm buying a VPN <coughs> tonight. I mean, I've got a VPN. I use it most of the time. But <laughs> it's like... <sighs> you, you can clearly tell that anybody with anything resembling authority in this country has zero concept of technology. <clears throat> because in Queensland now, not only do we have to use, if we walk into uh, any state-owned thing like a museum or a library, we have to first use the Australian COVID Services. Check-in Act thing. Yep. And then after we've done that, we have to log into the Queensland app thing and Ugh. scan in with that. Track you everywhere. I mean, not that I do either, but <laughs> it's like... Really, like you can't even agree on the one platform to use to track us. You've got to track us on multiple platforms now, because my phone doesn't tell you where I am anyway by default. Yep. <laughs> All the cell towers do where you are twenty four seven. Yeah. If you um, Google, uh, I think it's something like follow, like 
my history, my my Google location of, history. Yeah, you Google that, and it'll literally everywhere you've taken your phone with you, it'll tell you exactly where you've been. <laughs> dates and times, locations, the whole lot. I get an email every month saying, "Here's the places you travelled to yeah. this month." Would you like two to new it? cities, one new country town, yep. four um, shops? So basically, the yeah, they're basically saying that you know, if you if you have any form of crypto, so basically, if you lock your front door, you're a criminal. Yep. Because at the end of the day, a lock is just a crypto. It's just a cryptographic lock. Like, that's all it is. It's a cipher. It takes one set of information, turns it into a second set of information. Yep. There's no difference between locking your front door and using encryption. It's exactly the same thing. It's ridiculous. <laughs> so <sighs> dumb. So dumb. And with the government being as dumb as they are, I can't believe everybody should be using encryption. <clears throat> yeah. Well... We're coming up pretty much the end of the show, so I better do a couple of quickies. Uh, Telstra has been fined $1.5 million over its unilateral decision to suspend most landline number porting during the first COVID lockdowns last year when it ran short of offshore resourcing. Yeah. The Australian Communication Media Authority said today that Telstra paid the fine. Had it done so, it could have faced much more substantial court-imposed penalties. As was reported at the time, Telstra suspended most local number porting when the offshore teams that performed the work could not do so due to COVID lockdowns in India. That impacted more than 42,000 services, which they said could not be moved from Telstra to other telcos or vice versa as requested by Australian consumers. The ACMA found that Telstra unilaterally cancelled transfer requests that were scheduled to occur and stopped accepting new requests. This was done without prior warning to other telcos, which were left not being able to help new and existing customers transfer their service while keeping their phone number. And a nice little one, huh? a second, huh? I don't get it. They still want to use you as your provider. They literally just want to change the location of a line so they can have access to a line. Well, if you're porting, porting mm. from Telstra to Optus or Vodafone to Telstra or whatever, yeah, you can do that. They can't. Mm, anyway. <laughs> and a second 35-metre dish antenna will be built at the European Space Agency's new Norcia station in Western Australia with a budget of $70 million for procurement, construction, building and service upgrades. ESA and the Australian Space Agency jointly announced the build of the new antenna, which weighs 62 tonnes. The new Deep Space Antenna 2 will use cryogenically cooled antenna feed at just 10 Kelvin or minus 263 Celsius to achieve a 40% improvement at the high S and X band frequencies used for spacecraft command and control systems. Thanks to the supercooled antenna feed, the new dish is so sensitive it can pick up signals much weaker than those emitted by mobile phones from a distance as far away as 1.44 billion kilometres. NISA's ground stations communicate with the Bepi Colombo, Gaia, as well as Mars Express and ExoMars Trace Gas Orbiter missions. An ESA member nation con contractor will assume a prime role for the project, but ESA said a significant portion of the budget will be spent in Australia with local companies. The new antenna is not only positive progress in agency and <clears throat> ESA's cooperative relationship, but also an important contributor to the local economy, which will help grow Australia's space, uh, civil space industry. Future deep space missions to Mars and Mercury are planned, and ESA tends to build more antennae around the world to communicate with the craft. CSIRO operates the new Norcia site for ESA, and the antenna will be fourth for the agency, with one in Argentina and another in Spain complementing the Australian dishes. Nice. Hmm. More spacey stuff for Australia. Epic win. And now that the complete opposite of that, budget 2021, my government to undergo a multi-million dollar makeover. The Australian government on Thursday unveiled its new digital economy strategy, a near billion dollar commitment to making the country a leading digital economy by 2030. They started by handing my gov $200 million. <laughs> They said, thank you, we won't change anything, but we appreciate the donation. <clears throat> Part of the makeover is going to implement a chatbot. <laughs> That's they like literally the bad. biggest part of the leading story <laughs> is that there's going to implement a chatbot. <laughs> uh, and this it's is going to be a live person chatbot that's operated by somebody overseas because they're cheap, right? And and keeping in mind that this is to happen by 2030. 
We should want a holographic <laughs> chatbot by 2030. So whoever's writing these checks, can I have a couple? I'll do something with them as well. Let's become <clears throat> mates with the libs. Um, so just one thing I want to uh, say that is incredibly... Um, well, I saw it on my Facebook feed earlier. So this is a giant wood moth. Apparently, can't these, fly. apparently these are quite common up here. Now I've never seen one that big. I've seen one probably three or four inches long. But it got me looking through some of the photos, and holy crap, these things are freaking huge! Yeah. They're, apparently, they're really common up here. Um, like almost to the point where they're a, a, a pest. Um, uh, but um, good <laughs> eating though. <laughs> you could survive for a week off one of these things. Look at the size right. of it. Stick him in the oven. You know, like, it's just... <laughs> I mean, what, a little bit of broccoli, a bit of stuffing. You, you really could. I mean, you know, this one that this guy found on the end of the saw, like, it's, it's you know, a third of the, a third as long as his saw is. Yeah. It's, but it got me thinking, our geckos sit on the back window in the kitchen. Yeah. Waiting for the moths to land on the windows, and the geckos come and knock them. I'm like... <laughs> If that thing goes out, does the gecko go like, dude, I'm out. No. <laughs> <laughs> what the hell is that? That's the biggest dinner I ever had. No, I'm, I'm not I'm not hungry tonight. I don't know why. I'm just suddenly, I'm not feeling it. <laughs> don't worry. We got snakes big enough to take them down. Oh, but <clears throat> And spiders. Huge. Snakes and spiders will eat them. Oh, yeah. We've got dinner plate spiders, which are like, you know, well, dinner plate size. Yeah. And then there's that snake that eats, you know, crocodiles and kangaroos. Yeah, so, so there's that. Yeah, won't have any problem with a giant I mean, bug on my. Not, not one for saying that Australia's got you know some some pretty insane wildlife, but so why not? Yeah. <laughs> Thanks for listening to the Aussie Tech Head Show broadcast weekly. We can be found at Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, Patreon, and Coffee.com/slash Aussie Tech Heads. Email us Will and Warlock at AussieTechHeads.com.au. You can hear Aussie Tech Heads on AussieTechRadio.com twenty four seven. Playback of tech-related shows from around Australia and New Zealand. New shows edit each Friday. See you next time. Bye.